The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. And a woman, you got your woman, our theme song. Well, you got your women today. Your host, me, Leslie Marshall. And our guest joining us is Roxanne Brown. Ms. Brown is the USW's international vice president at large. She oversees the union's public policy and legislative agenda, as well as its political work. She has spent more than two decades advancing policies on Capitol Hill and with regulatory agencies on behalf of the USW members. She has extensive experience in manufacturing, environmental, and energy policy. She has testified on the workers' behalf before the International Trade Commission on Capitol Hill and before state legislatures as well. She's represented the USW with global policymakers, including the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. She's worked with members and allies to advance policies on Capitol Hill and with regulatory agencies in order to help workers. She has extensive experience in defense procurement policy, environmental regulation, energy, cement, specialty metals, and biomass carbon neutrality. More than a pleasure to have back with us, Roxanne. You can follow her, by the way, on Twitter, where her handle is at Brown Rocks, B-R-O-W-N Rocks, R-O-X. Follow the USW on both Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Steelworkers, and be sure to visit their website, USW.org. More than a pleasure to have back with us. Roxanne Brown. Hey, Roxanne, and I wanted to echo echo uh, Mark's sentiments off the air regarding some of your posts on Facebook. You guys have the uh, young, I have two teenagers, so I am missing the ages of uh, your kids, <laughs> Roxanne and Mark's comment. <laughs> oh, hi, Leslie. It's, it is always so good to be with you and, and Mark. It's, it's, it always feels like coming home. So thank you for having me. And yeah, Mark and I, uh, we're still in the little kid phase of the six and seven and eight year olds, and we're loving it. So enjoy it. It goes it goes fast. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was watching a documentary about Katherine Hepburn the other day on um, uh, something, and she said uh, it goes like that. She was talking; they were talking to her about something in her twenties, and she was in her eighties, and she's like, "It goes like that." And it the same with the kids; it really does. So yeah. let's talk about some things that go like that, like you know, last week, uh, workers at Bluebirds Corporation's Fort Valley, Georgia facility uh, notched a historic victory. They voted to join the USW. Uh, there are approximately 1,400 Bluebird workers. Uh, they're manufacturing. They manufacture school buses, and my kids both take school buses. Uh, and those include low emission and zero emission models. Uh, this is very significant on, on many levels. And I have to say, as a mother and somebody who drives in Los Angeles, which used to be known for its smog, um, I can see, not just with numbers, but with my own eyes, uh, what a difference this makes. Um, so, so let's talk about this, because this is huge, and it is huge on so many levels. Talk about some of the levels that this is significant for. 
sure. And really appreciate the nod to our now new, you know, 1,400 members of the Steelworkers Union. We're so excited uh, from Bluebird. And this was a long and hard fought uh, organizing campaign. I will say I give so much props to our organizing department and our organizers who were on the ground really for, for almost three years. This was an over two year campaign, uh, one-on-one conversations with folks at, at Bluebird, um, just really trying to engage with them around the, the things that they were trying to fight for at, at the site. Um, so that alone is historic, right? The fact that 1,400 members in a, a right-to-work state um, that's, you know, historically hard to organize were able to use their power and effectively join a union. That That is historic in itself. I think the other piece of it is, you know, we're in this moment that I, you know, keep referring to as the industrial revolution of our time, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a kind of a, a, a reawakening of the U.S. economy with all of these new forms of technology, right? And in this case, the Bluebird, we're talking about electric school buses. And um, companies like Bluebird are pulling on federal resources to redo fleet for states and local jurisdictions for school buses and in, in, in switching from, you know, traditional engines to electric vehicles. And um, there's so much money across the federal government, which, the, which is the other kind of historic piece of it. Leslie, to your point, back in November of 2021, a historic $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill was passed uh, and, and, and signed by President Biden and really laid a huge amount of money across the entire federal government, including the EPA, which is where Bluebird was able to access about $40 million in rebates uh, from a new program that was established under this bill called the Clean School Bus Program to actually make these, these EVs. So, you know, history abounds in this moment, right? And um, it's why we really have to get it right. And this, this win by our now you know, new members in Georgia is the first step to getting it right, um, but but it's it's not it's not going to be easy because I think we'll be facing uh, additional mm. resistance from from other companies for to organize. You know, a couple of things, and I can't make this up. Yesterday, uh, going to pick up my son at the school bus, he said, "Mom, you got to pick me up at Starbucks, the stop before mine." And I'm like, "Which Starbucks? There's a lot of them out here." And um, he said, our, "Our bus broke down." And then he texted me wow. and he goes, "Mom." And he goes, can you text me that you are a few blocks away so she'll let me off the bus because I'm melting. There's no air conditioning. <laughs> and I want to go into Starbucks. And he's a freshman. And they're they're letting the seniors go into Starbucks. I want to go. So I texted. So he goes into Starbucks. You know, I get there. He's like dripping wet. And um, he had to, he went to get his stuff back on the bus because the bus was just sitting there waiting for help. And the bus driver is very nice. I, I've known her the, the whole year. The school year is ending in a few weeks. And I asked her, you know, what's wrong? And I swear to God, this is what she said. These school buses are old. They have old engines and they have old parts. And she goes, what we need are new buses. And she goes, and what we need are those electric vehicle buses. I swear to God. Oh, wow. and, and, and I knew you were going to be on today, right? But I, I, she doesn't know what I do necessarily. And my son would like to keep it that way sometimes. So, so you know, but it, 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 it's true. I mean, these, you know, these kids deserve our best. And, 
you know, some of these, you know, old antiquated, you know, outdated models are, you know, certainly not their best. I want to talk about something else with significance. And maybe I look at this being a Yankee from Boston. Um, but when you look at uh, geographically what corporations tend to go to, uh, a lot of times corporations will go to the South because they believe that these workers aren't going to unionize and they believe they can suppress workers' pay. Uh, they can mess with and provide less than suitable working conditions because they believe in these right to work states that they can prevent their workers from organizing. So would you say that Bluebird being in Georgia, being in the South is also an additional significance? Absolutely. And and that is a trend, like you said, and it's not just, you know, a trend in the last two years, but it's been a years long trend for companies to locate in, in the South and in right-to-work states uh, where, you know, those laws exist to, or that law exists to, you know, suppress the power of unions, right? And they know that. And um, the, you know, state leaders sometimes uh, will also be very supportive of an anti-union posture by, by companies and businesses because they want the economic activity in their state, right? Uh, by the hook or the crook. <laughs> and if that means leaving workers on the outside, then they will do that as, as long as they get that economic activity and that new investment in their state. And so that's been the trend. And, you know, I think for us uh, in the labor movement, particularly us as a manufacturing union, being in the moment that we're in right now with all of this new investment in clean tech and this rapid, um, you know, and strong desire by policymakers to deploy these technologies quickly, right? right. Um, it's even more important for us to also deploy our might and our strength as a labor union, labor organizations to make sure that as investments are happening in these companies and as new companies are propping up in places like the right to work South, that we're joining with workers at those facilities to give them power and to give them a voice on the job and to make sure that they have access to that through the right to, to organize. And, you know, what we've seen for years um, in, in, in clean tech, even before the moment that we're in right now with all these resources, it's a very strong resistance. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that, Roxanne. We gotta take a quick break. We'll come Absolutely. back and talk about that resistance and we'll talk about some other things. Um, because, Absolutely. you know, the, the workers at Bluebird definitely uh, deserve uh, props for all the hard work they did, and it didn't happen overnight. We're going to talk about that with Roxanne Brown, USW's International Vice President at Large. We'll be back with her and you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Our guest is Roxanne Brown, USW's International Vice President at Large. Please follow her on Twitter at BrownRox, B-R-O-W-N-R-O-X, and follow the USW on both Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Steelworkers. Be sure to visit their website as well, USW.org. We are talking about the historic victory with the USW having the Bluebird Corporation in Fort Valley, Georgia, uh, join them, a facility with approximately 1,400 workers. Um, and uh, sorry to interrupt you there. We were up against a hard break, Roxanne. Um, no you know, before the break, uh, please continue with what you're saying. And then I do want to talk about uh, some of those, uh, you know, not some of those workers, but those workers collectively and, and the hard work that went into forming this union. Absolutely. And, you know, I apologize. I get so... 
uh, excited. Do not apologize. <laughs> passionate passionate. When I, when I, I forget we're on I, the radio. You're so passionate. So don't <laughs> apologize. <laughs> because it's so important, right? I mean, you know, talking about workers' rights and, and, and just everything that, you know, labor organizations try to achieve in this space is so critical. And it was completely on display with Bluebird. But, but, but to your question earlier in terms of just the South, right, and, and, and companies that have gone there to kind of take advantage of that environment of, of um, just efforts to suppress workers. And, you know, clean tech companies are really resistant to unions. That is what we have found, not just in the last couple of years, but in the last really going back to, you know, eight, 10 years that, um, you know, in their minds, they want to remain nimble. And, and that means, you know, having the ability to do whatever they choose to do with their workforce. Um, and in this environment of deploy, 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 making sure that all this stuff is done quickly, it's even more reason to make sure that workers are able to do these jobs and get these technologies out the door in the safest, most efficient way possible. And that certainly lends to Bluebird and why they reached out to our union in 2020 to organize because, you know, their conditions were horrendous. You know, they, beyond um, pay and huge variations in, in pay, there were these really critical safety concerns that they had around, you know, pooling water. You know, here's this facility that has, you know, electrical equipment and, you know, leaky roofs, pooling water, workers worried about being electrified. Um, you know, this was 2020, I said, you know, when they reached out the height of the pandemic and they had to show up for work every single day as if the world was, was going on and, you know, there was nothing happening in terms of a global pandemic. You know, so, so these are some of the reasons why it's so important for, for workers to have the ability to have power and voice on the job so that, you know, they can push back against these types of conditions. You know, I, I had mentioned before the break, I wanted to give props to the workers because I think some people, you know, out there, you know, who say, hey, we want to unionize. And I think that's incredible and, and, and a great choice for workers because you're going to have somebody fighting for your uh, hourly pay or your salary. You're going to have somebody fighting for overtime and for health care and for pension and for working conditions. And the list goes on. Somebody that has your back. Um, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum and it doesn't happen overnight. And I always point this out. I mean, there, there are, you know, fights that USW has had, you know, going on for, you know, many years. And that was the case with Bluebird. I mean, it took a couple of years, right? It was uh, hard work organizing. So out there, everybody who wants to, you know, be in a union, you gotta, you gotta work hard, right? You gotta organize. Um, and in Bluebird's situation, it took them nearly two years um, even just to have the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, conversation with the people at the top, right, uh, to get to that table. But you start with the conversation amongst yourselves, amongst your coworkers. Um, you know, you have the discussion. You know, do, you know, are you sick of working like this? Do you do you want somebody to protect us and to fight for us? And then you build a committee. Um, and this is just really an example how. Um, in a, a state that is right to, you know, work in a state that is union busting, technically Georgia, these workers are a shining of example of what can be done throughout the South, not just in Georgia and throughout all the South, but throughout the country in any states that are right to work and union busters, because they 
fought, they stood up for themselves, they stood up for their rights, and they won, they prevailed. And I love that, because in a sense, they were certainly the underdog. And so many of these workers are when they're in such states, when they are in these union busting states, or with these uh, union uh, busting companies, which Bluebird's company did engage in, as you spoke of, and you know, as any of us have been following stuff like this and following this company, uh, read about as well. That's right. And amen to everything that you just said, Leslie. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it really does start from the ground up from the workforce and, you know, a desire to to want to, wanna, you know, push back against what's happening, you know, the kind of the bad things that are happening at their, at their workplaces and the unfairnesses that exist at their workplaces. And these workers were just so brave. And I think that's what, so everyone, you know, we've, we've gotten so much outreach about, about this win, right? You know, obviously because these are EVs, but also just because everyone is so inspired by these workers and what they did have to face in terms of Bluebird threatening that the facility was going to close or that, you know, they would, you know, never be hired by another manufacturer, you know, or, um, you know, even even doing things to really try to placate them or, you know, or, or, or deter them from organizing, like bringing food trucks, as if a food truck yeah. a couple of days would actually, you know, cause people to say, you know what, I don't want power anymore. I don't need higher wages. You know, I... I don't care about having just one week of vacation after eight years. Buy me a taco. Or buy, buy me a taco or put the truck outside and I got to buy the taco, right? Right. Exactly. It's just, but, but again, this is how, this is how some employers view their workforce as just inconvenient widgets, right? That they can move about as they, as they choose um, with, with no repercussions and, you know, again, the fact that these workers decided, no, not today, we're going to take our power back. And they did it. And they worked, you know, for, for you know, the last couple of years to do this is just so inspiring to not just our union, but but to so many, you know, who lent their voices. Um, Congressman Sanford Bishop, who is from Georgia's second congressional district. Um, such a stalwart champion um, of our union and really, um, you know, put his, his, his strong support for the Bluebird workers during the organizing campaign out there by, by sending a letter to, to Bluebird. Um, you know, EPA Administrator Michael Regan called, you know, um, and, and encouraged uh, Bluebird to um, follow the rules that were set out in um, the the clean school bus program, which is, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the money that you that you get for this program, there has to be labor neutrality. So if That's there is a union, you know, organizing campaign at your location, you cannot use these monies to try to um, suppress those efforts. And so, absolutely. you know, we're going to talk more more about uh, efforts. We're going to take another break, Roxanne. My apologies. Don't want to jump on you there. We're going to take another break. We'll continue to talk about that. Um, uh, One more thing I had to say about Bluebird with you when we come back. And uh, we're going to talk about the president of this administration and what they've done for unions thus far. And uh, we hope that continues. I'm Leslie Marshall, back with Roxanne Brown from the USW right after this. 
We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. She is Roxanne Brown, USW's international vice president at large. Please follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at BrownRox, B-R-O-W-N-R-O-X. And follow the USW on both Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Steelworkers. Visit their website for more information, USW.org. Roxanne, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. You had said in the first segment, and you had touched upon um, the infrastructure package, and I'm glad you did. And, and the reason I say that is that a lot of people who are watching or listening who may not be in a union and may not feel that you know they you know they have a card in this this card game, so to speak, uh, need to know they do. I mean, because when you talk about infrastructure and when you talk about um, federal funding, that's taxpayer dollars. That's all of our money. And it's important for us to know that our money is creating healthier communities. Our money is creating jobs, creating good jobs, creating an environment where workers are treated appropriately. And these are family sustaining jobs. I mean, the list goes on. So I'm glad that you mentioned uh, infrastructure. And um, I think people need to remember that they, they are a part of this. Truly, we are all in this together. You know, and our tax dollars are what link us to this specifically uh, through uh, the infrastructure package. That's right. And I think beautifully said, Leslie, and, you know, the infrastructure bill, I think any anyone who talks about it, who understands what it is, uses words like once in a generation investment in America and in workers and in industry and in jobs, because that's exactly that's exactly what it what it was. I mean, you know, $1.2 trillion investment, $550 billion of that was new federal investment in America's mm-hmm. infrastructure, which is a, a hugely big deal, right? Because for, for so many years, Infrastructure Week was a joke, right? Because, you know, it, it, it was one of those bipartisan issues that that could actually move but never moved for whatever reason yeah. and finally did in 2021. And when it moved, it moved, <laughs> it moved to the tune of 1.2 trillion. And, you know, it, it, it includes things like $65 billion to replace the nation's lead pipes and service lines, right? Which just this one, this one infusion of $55 billion is the largest investment of clean drinking water ever. Mm in our nation's history, right? Um, you know, $110 billion to, to upgrade our nation's roads and bridges, which, you know, any, anyone who, who lives in any community around this country can point to a road or bridge that is in disrepair and makes them nervous driving over or on, right? I, I drive through tunnels sometimes going from here in D.C. up to my family in, in New York, and I get nervous driving through um, some of the tunnels that I have to drive through because they're so old and need of repair, right? And so now we have this this huge, you know, pot of money to make those investments. And like you said, Leslie, you know, utilizing, you know, taxpayer dollars to get this done. And while we're getting it done, making sure that the components that are going to be used and our roads and our bridges, um, you know, in our broadband and our water systems are all made here in the United States by American workers and American industry. So the steel, the cement, the aluminum, you know, all of the other manufactured products 
that will be necessary for these systems made here in the United States. So that's a direct benefit to um, the U.S. And, and U.S. workers. Yeah, you know, there have been in the past administrations, both left and right, like you said, on both sides of the aisle that, you know, talk about, you know, infrastructure packages that will come down the road that never materialized. You have promises made specifically to unions by my party, Democrats, um, a lot. But uh, dare I say, um, I said before he got elected that Joe Biden, if anybody's the guy to do it, Joe Biden's the guy to do it. And Joe Biden's done a lot. Um, historic legislation, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, um, and it invests in our nation's communities. Um, it puts an investment into those supply chains, uh, makes jobs safer, makes jobs more secure. Is it safe to say that at least in our lifetime, um, that Joe, or if not in our lifetime, in the past few administrations, um, that Joe Biden has actually delivered some, if not most, or all what he has promised so far uh, in uh, a president, in a leader, in somebody in the Oval Office who made those claims before he got there? You know, I would say without question, he has delivered some of the most um, significant policy pieces um, in American history, right? You, you named three of them, uh, the infrastructure bill, right? The bipartisan infrastructure bill the Chips and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act, those, those three bills alone were so massive in scope and scale that that is not normal for, for one presidency, right? You know, right. Um, and, and so the fact that he was able to accomplish just, just those three things is significant. And I think what's, what's important for, for, for people to remember is you know, these each of these policies are about investing in America, investing in American workers, investing in American industry and laying foundation. So if you're laying the foundation and then you're building on top of the foundation and all of that takes time. So some of the things we will see right now, right, if you look around communities across the country, you will see that some, some projects were just waiting for this infusion of money that they got from the infrastructure bill. And so go, they started, you know, repairing bridges. We had a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh um, actually when, when the president came to Pittsburgh and mm -hmm. uh, that bridge has already been repaired, right? In large part because of infrastructure money. So there are those projects that have been quickly, quickly repaired, quickly upgraded but there are others that will take more time, right? And so we'll see a years-long benefit across the U.S. economy, years-long benefit to U.S. jobs. And I think one of the most significant things about each of these policies is not just that they work to, you know, maintain, um, you know, jobs, but also to grow jobs. And the Chips and Science Act is one that I would that I would point to because you know, the semiconductor, which I think we all know now uh, is the brain of, of, of any major, you know, electronic or, or, you know, mechanized thing, right? Your car, your phone, your kids' toys. And that was invented here in the United States. It's one of the many technologies that can go down the list, like wind technology, right? Mm -hmm. that, was invest that was invented here in the United States, but we lost dominance in that. 
right? And so now, today, we only produce 10% of the world's supply of semiconductors in the United States and none of the most advanced chips. Asia produces 75% of the global supply. And so what this bill will do is basically help to regain our dominance in that sector, right? And mm-hmm. and lead to more investment. And you know, we're 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 seeing it in in little pockets here and there where our members make components that are related to, you know, to semiconductors, whether it's tooling plates made by our, our folks at Arconic in, in, in Davenport, Iowa, or the glass lenses used in the machines that actually imprint on the chips for semiconductors. So, you know, we're seeing expansion that those facilities, potential expansion of those facilities, um, and certainly, you know, just more investment. And so that that is something that gives us a lot of hope in terms of what the future could look like. We started out talking about your kids, my kids, Mark's kids, and how how young they are, but they're getting ready to go into this into this world. Right. And these three policies alone kind of provide a path forward for them. It, it helps to provide a secure economic future for them, which is which is something that is so critical and will be a hallmark of of Joe Biden's presidency. History will tell that story, though. It will not be told today. Right. May 19th, 2023. History will tell that story. No, you're right, because hindsight's always 2020. You talked yeah. about time. Right after this money, right after the passage, right after the ink didn't even barely drive, we had ramping up production of valves, couplings, other products that are used in water and gas systems um, mm-hmm. after the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act were signed. And, of course, you mentioned the drinking water, the sewer, the stormwater. I mean, uh, j- there's just systems that enable utilities to extend distribution system. The list goes on. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our final segment in this hour with Roxanne Brown from the USW. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Stick around. One more segment coming up. We'll be back in a flash. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. She is the international vice president at large for the USW, Roxanne Brown. I should be calling you uh, Madam Vice President instead of Roxanne, but we've known each other so long. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, please follow her on uh, Twitter. Her handle is at BrownRocks, B-R-O-W-N-R-O-X. And follow the USW on both Twitter and Instagram. The handle at Steelworkers. Go to their website. It's a plethora of information, USW.org. Uh, Roxanne, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. Um, now we have money, right? And we have money that is going out projects that are getting, you know, off the ground. And it's important we work together. You touched upon something. You mentioned semiconductors. And my brother used to work in Rhode Island for Cherry Semiconductor for many, many years. He worked in the semiconductor industry for most of his career. And then his job was shipped overseas. Fortunately, he was able to land another job not in the semiconductor business. He fortunately had some other experience. Um, you know, but it, it, it hurt him and so many people, and not just in that one company, but companies across the board. And like you say, you know, we shouldn't allow Asia to be dominant, whether it comes to cherry, some uh, cherry, uh, excuse me, not cherry semiconductors, or if it comes to any other uh, manufacturing, because, you know, we were king, queen and an and entire court um, on the throne when it came to that at one time. And, um, you know, maybe it's not possible to be that again. I don't know. I'm not always an optimist, but I do think we can, you know, make uh, leadway. And, and what you were talking about and talk, t- talk, touching upon is 
uh, domestic procurement. And uh, that's what the Build America, Buy America Act, um, you know, totally encourages these corporations to do. Um, we want things made here in the United States. And we also want to buy things and support companies that are doing that as well, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, again, this is another, it's another thing. And, I, you know, related to what you were saying before the break about just all of the things that President Biden has been able to accomplish so far, I think one of the other really critical things he's been able to accomplish is this whole notion of make it here in America. Um, and really emphasizing why that's so important and what what that means in terms of reasserting uh, and reclaiming our our dominance, you know, because I think for for unions like ours, we've lived in this space of loss and loss of of members uh, in, in manufacturing, you know, sectors, seeing the loss of of manufacturing capacity across so many different product lines across our members' industries, you know, since since the 80s, right? And I think the American public had a chance to experience what it means uh, to not um, have a strong manufacturing foothold in the U.S. during the pandemic, right? When right. we we weren't able to get simple things that that turned out not being simple, like like masks and yeah. and and gowns. For, for nurses, right, and face covering for, for nurses, and, 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 and for us, masks for us, you know, a lot of those masks came from overseas, right, and so, and so, you know, I think that awakened a, the kind of the American psyche to why it is important to have a strong domestic manufacturing industry, and so President Biden really leaned into, into that and included the Build America, Buy America Act in the infrastructure bill. And it, and it really does require, you know, as these public monies are being used to support any federally funded project across the entire federal government that, you know, all of the steel, iron, <laughs> manufactured products and construction materials used in all of those projects have to be produced here in the United States. And that is, that's something that is not even, you know, you know, you get lip service a lot from politicians about, yeah, we want American made jobs and support the worker. President Biden put his money where his mouth was right. and said, we're not only going to do, this is not only just important to me, I want you to include this in this infrastructure bill. And for the first time, I want the entire federal government to adhere to this. Right. And so now, right. So now the policy is done. So now we're on the other side of the passage of that policy onto the implementation side of that policy, which now means all of the money that has been poured into all of these three bills across the federal government, all of the new standards like this Build America, Buy America Act, um, we have to make sure that they will now be complied with appropriately by the agencies that will now have to comply with them. So that's for our union, you know, that's where a lot of our work is, mm -hmm. is, um, you know, making sure, you know, to the best of the federal government's ability, they are buying products, um, you know, and components for these projects, 
that are. And, that and are when American you talk, made. when you talk about those those uh, products, you're talking about mm-hmm. many things, but you're talking about products that are huge when it comes to those bridges, like you talked about, glass in Pittsburgh, That's right. uh, iron, steel. Uh, construction materials that's included that's right. in the uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the exactly. Build America, Buy America Act, is included in that legislation. Um, and uh, that that's a requirement for all federally assisted infrastructure programs. It's a very good point you make. You know, people think you can't just ride off in the sunset, into the sunset. You've got to make right. sure that this is being, uh, you know, done, right, that people are complying. That's right. That's right. And this is how, you know, this is how we win the win. You know, our, our union threw in so big to support the infrastructure bill. We we engaged in this huge campaign called We Supply America. And I think I, I, I even came on your show to talk about it, Leslie, um, at, at some point, which was around the infrastructure bill. And, yes, and did. Yes. really yeah, right. And, and and highlighting all of the projects, all of the products um, that our that our members make that go into infrastructure projects. Um, we threw in big time, and it was because we saw our members' jobs in this infrastructure bill. Now we just have to make sure that we win that win, and we make sure that agencies are doing the right thing on behalf of American manufacturing workers, doing the right thing on behalf of American industry, and buying Americans <laughs> and supporting uh, workers and industry here. Well, in the United I'm, States. I'm glad that you point this out because for some people, they have this, you know, old fashioned old school idea that USW is just about union, just about steel, and that union is just about workers. But it isn't just, it's about legislation that affects workers as well. And this is a prime example of that because you guys at the USW, you have to work with the employers, you have to work with the federal agencies so that mm-hmm. these employers understand, since it's new legislation, how to apply a domestic preference uh, and the domestic manufacturing capabilities um, for the needed materials. Uh, my understanding is from uh, materials that you guys have given us to you know, research and you know, help when we speak with you, um, you make sure your employers are aware of funds, grants, uh, loans, so yeah. that they can access that money for upgrades so that they improve efficiency and that they're complying with the legislation. Yeah, and I think that's a part of winning the win, where yeah. our president, Tom I Conway, like, felt it was... I'm sorry, go ahead. I like that, winning the win. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> and, and, and it's not mine, right? It's It's been kind of the phrase that so many people have been using on the other side of these bills. Um, but our, our president, Tom Conway, felt it was really important for him to communicate with all of the companies that our members work for across the manufacturing space and, and also the utility space and, you know, service sector anyone who has hands on infrastructure in some way um, to offer help and say, look, these set of resources now exist. They've never existed before in our history. They now exist. Let's work together to make sure that, you know, you can access this, 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 this or these pots of money to help your facility to make the products that you make every single day and help USW members at the same time, right? These, this yeah. is the best labor management partnership there could possibly be. Um, and we're excited to see, you know, what happens from here. You know, something else people don't even think of, even corporations, you know, forget to think about, is when you improve the, the workplace, right, and you're improving mm-hmm. efficiency, you're not just providing a better environment for the workers, you're providing longevity for that industry and you're providing long-term security for that actual facility, not the just the jobs of the people within it. 
That's right. You know, I, I, I often say the steelworkers are not new to this moment of, of clean energy and clean tech. We are true to this moment because we were the first industrial union. I don't know that any other industrial union has ever had a clean air conference, but we had one in the 1950s, you know, and after the, the, the Nord disaster in Pennsylvania, we really leaned into, um, making sure, wanting to make sure that the facilities that our members work for were good corporate citizens, not just for the communities, but for our members who work there, who are on the front line, who experience these dangers, right, firsthand. So that's really where our work stems from in this space. And um, so so we've, yeah, so we've been happy to do this work for a long time. Roxanne, we love having you on. Uh, time just flies when I'm talking with you, girl. Uh, USW's <laughs> International Vice President at Large, Ms. Roxanne Brown. Please follow her on Twitter at Brown Rocks, B-R-O-W-N-R-O-X. Please follow the USW on Twitter and Instagram. Their handle is at Steelworkers. And check out their website. They're more than just steel and organizing unions. They do a lot of stuff. What do they do? Go check it out. Read it. I've touched upon some of it here, and I hope you will search for more. USW.org. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful uh, weekend. It's Friday, right? A wonderful weekend to Roxanne, the USW, all the union workers and non-union workers out there who are trying to work hard to make a better life for their families. And, of course, my Marky Mark, executive producer. Have a good one. I'm Leslie Marshall.